Hey everyone, uh, I wanted to say thanks for joining Chris and I for Advent this season. If you don't follow the podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, you probably haven't realized that there are now several bonus episodes on revolutionary texts and some other stuff to be read on our Patreon, all of which can be accessed for a single dollar a month. So if you want to support the work of this podcast or would like to access some bonus material, you can find the Patreon link in the show notes. And with that said, today's episode is for the fourth and final Sunday of Advent. And the text comes from Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verses 5 through 10. So let's go ahead and start with the reading. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, See, God, I have come to do your will, O God. In the scroll of the book, it is written of me. When he said above, You have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he added, See, I have come to do your will. He abolishes the first in order to establish the second. And it is by God's will that we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Here ends the reading. The book of Hebrews has long been used with the intent of pitting Christians against Jewish persons. The history of Christianity is, in many ways, the history of anti-Semitism. And so I want to acknowledge that the inter-family feud between, on one hand, the early Jesus-following Jews, and eventually Gentiles, and on the other, the Jewish believers who did not see Jesus as the Messiah, has been wielded by nations who have claimed Christianity as the religion of their empire to economically and socially dominate people of the Jewish faith since the 5th century in which a dying Rome became the first so-called Christian empire. On the other hand, as a Christian settler of the United States, it's important to name that com. Combating anti-Semitism does not mean we in any way support the settler colonial fascist apartheid happening in Palestine today, that is, the present-day Israeli state, a puppet of the U.S. established after World War II for the purposes of expanding and consolidating our political and economic power in West Asia directly at the expense of Palestinians. And so, having named this, I'd like us to engage this text in another way. I want us to see two different kinds of faith here at play within the church. And these two faiths are intention, opposition, contradiction with one another. There is a great struggle happening between these two faiths. First, there is a faith tendency rampant among us Christians today in which we make occasional offerings and occasional sacrifices. We have a little extra time next weekend, so we'll lend an hour to help a friend. We've purchased some new clothes we thought looked cool this week, and we've eaten out plenty already, so now we'll send a 20, well, maybe 15, over to the local mutual aid for this month. We finally caught up on our Netflix and our Hulu, and our HBO, 
In the next two days, we're watching football, so maybe we'll start our study or that book on what's happening in our world next week or next month. And life feels good. I mean, we are stressed out and worried and anxious as fuck about what's happening in the world, the worst of it to other people, but for the most part, we've accounted for all that we've had and we've made sure at least a tiny portion Call it the surplus, or the extra, or the leftovers of time and money after our week of consumption has been set aside for things we believe are trying to better, perhaps even change the world. But in our text today, Jesus says, God, you never asked for this kind of offering. You never desired what we deem to be extra. Your will is not the sacrifice of whatever is left of our lives after we've served ourselves to the full. This offering, this sacrifice, is rejected by you. Then Jesus says, But I have come to do your will. The twelfth chapter of the Gospel according to Luke ends with a story well known which I believe could also be heard to be about a struggle between two conflicting faiths. In verses 41 through 44, we read, He sat down opposite the treasury and watched the crowd putting money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which are worth a penny. Then he called his disciples and said to them, Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. End quote. Now, return with me to Jesus in our text from the book of Hebrews. He says, God, I have come to actually do, to bodily realize, to make known and make felt your will. Your will is not a convenient portion of my life that requires nothing of me. Your will asks great of us, expects great of us requires all of us. Your will that is to be done is a way of being, a way of relating, a transformational commitment in which we are to surrender our whole lives to. It too is a sacrifice, but an offering of a fundamentally different kind. And no, I'm not talking about the God you know, who kills Jesus as some grand plan to restore God's honor and ability to forgive. Jesus' sacrifice didn't begin at the cross. It didn't begin in his torture or execution, although that is where it ended. Rather, Jesus sought to bodily realize God's will by offering his every day, his every week, his entire life. Now, the two-line struggle within the faith has become clear. On one hand, there is a kind of faith that is complacent, partial, occasional, and passive towards what is happening in the world. We, 
the labor aristocracies of the world, the working classes of the imperial powers, who find our sense of selves not in the struggle for emancip emancipation, but in what we can consume outside of work, offer and sacrifice the remaining crumbs of our lives, left over at the end of the month. But because this faith requires little to nothing of us, God rejects it. But on the other hand, there is the faith in which Jesus does the work and will of God, lives the will of God, embodies the will of God. And this faith is no different from the faith of the widow who gave her all. This faith requires sacrifice and offering not of the convenient crumbs of our lives, but of our whole selves. And it is the struggle between these two tendencies within our faith, these two contradicting ways of being and relating in the world, these qualitatively different commitments to the work and will of God that we in the body must resolve among and within ourselves. He abolishes the first in order to establish the second, the text says, but why must the former faith be abolished? Why must the latter of the two, the way of the impoverished widow and of Jesus, be established? The author of this text, found in Hebrews, tells us that it is God's will that we be sanctified through the offering of the body. God desires for the world to be sanctified, healed, liberated, freed, this is God's will. And what is the role of the body? What is the purpose of the church? To sacrifice itself. To commit itself. To offer itself to the work and movement and struggle for the world's sanctification. And if the body isn't going to offer itself to this cause, then it was never the body at all. If it only brings occasional offerings and sacrifices, only the leftovers of its life, then it belongs to the faith that must be abolished, Jesus says, because God's work and love and will is no fucking joke. There is too great of love for the creatures of this earth. There is too great of love for the masses who toil. There is too great of love for the water and the land and the skies, for God to play with those who passively participate in its destruction, who do not devote themselves fully, who do not sacrifice their self-advancement and their self-fortresses of middle-class comfort for the work and the will of transforming the world. There is nothing to celebrate after Advent if our faith is simply a surplus faith, faith without demand, Faith that lacks development of our commitment and transformation of our former ways of living. And so as this season of Advent comes to a close, let us begin to wage a war, to struggle with that faith that resides in us individually and in our communities that leads us to offer and sacrifice only that which is left over. And in attempting to conquer and abolish this tendency of faith that requires little of us, we seek to establish our new faith, our new ways of being, relating, and living. 
However, let's be honest. The way of Jesus and the widow is not something we can just flip a switch to. This faith of great commitment means developed, step by step. How much time are we losing to TV, to drinking beer, to another weekend vacation? Is there a short bit of time every day or every week that we can commit to study and to reading? How about becoming a member in an organization conscious of the necessity of revolution that is actually organizing people or serving the people of our communities? Can we set aside greater and greater amounts of our little incomes for work that loves the neighbor? The body of Christ was not made to rule. It was never formed to conquer power. The body of Christ became because the early Christians had accepted the call to sacrifice everything. Many of us, I'm speaking of myself here, were raised to internalize a faith of complacency, passivity, and half-heartedness. A faith that requires little and fits perfectly into the life of imperialism's labor aristocracy, what others might call the middle class. But God's will is that the world may be sanctified. And so struggle we must between these two faiths within us. Our lukewarm faith must be abolished and the faith requiring of our whole selves must be established. Even if it means death, we must offer our body to the work and love of God. Amen.